The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, I know that Travis Kelsey spent his mini-buy having a cameo on Saturday Night Live. How did how did you spend yours? Uh, I was uh, camping off in the woods uh, on kind of a cold weekend in... Uh, in the Ozarks, but I, we had a good time. So fall is finally here, and yeah. we were we've been waiting for it for a while. There's a a brisk chill in the air. It's that perfect football weather before we get to the the frigid cold coming up here. It, soon. It's actually good for camping too if you're yeah. not in a tent. Um, it, you know, it's uncomfortable if you're in a tent because you get cold sleeping at right. night. But but with an RV, uh, this kind of weather is great. Sit mm. around the campfire and then you know go into the house at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Kind of like they, they there's a term for that. Don't they call that glamping? They do. Are you, yeah. Are you yeah. glamping? Oh, well, that's okay. Yeah, I think in theory we're glamping, but I still call it camping. Glamp is the furthest that I'm going to go. Uh I would <laughs> I am not a camper. That that is not my but I I would I could be talked into glamping a little bit. So, uh I'm glad yeah. that you guys got to to do that this weekend. We now get into the routine of the Chiefs schedule here. I don't think there are any more Thursday night games, right, John? So we are are Sunday and Monday uh, here on out. Um, yeah. On today's show, we will hear from Andy Reid. He did his usual Monday afternoon or yeah, Monday afternoon presser to start the week. We'll have our marinated takeaways. We've been thinking about these for four days. Uh, John will have some snap count takeaways from the game, and then we'll get the current odds on Chiefs and Chargers. This is a little weird, though, because we're recording at about 1 p.m. on Monday. I actually play on Monday night, so something could happen in this game they play poorly they play really well someone has an injury where that'll change but we'll discuss it anyway for you guys who will listen on monday we actually had three reviews as a reminder if you leave us a rating and a review on apple itunes we'll read it here on the show there are a couple long reviews so we're gonna try to go as quickly as possible here but this is from fancy crancy john that's the name <laughs> Um, this review is long overdue, but an avid listener of AP uh, for the last four years. Their commitment to giving Chiefs fans thoughtful analysis, entertaining content are some of the best reasons why this is one of the best Chiefs podcasts you can find. Uh, some of my favorites include the world-famous Marinated Takeaways, uh, the 
guest, the chief from the AP Out of Structure podcast, the butt first <laughs> segment from the Great British Chief Show, certified or imposter on show and BK. Huge shout out to Steve Serta and all the great work he does. Music teacher constantly fi- finding himself jamming to all the theme music from the podcast. That's how you know you're doing it right. If the intro music gets you pumped up to listen. Thanks for all the consistent great work you guys do. Also, you're the only Chiefs podcast network that I have found to reference my home state thus far, that being Montana. Pete mentioned a few years ago that one of the best burgers he had was in Missoula, Montana, and he is absolutely right. We know our beef here in Montana. The whole <laughs> Arrowhead Pride crew is welcome out here anytime to enjoy some of the best best beef burgers you can find. It's true. I, that's, a, that's a good memory. I don't remember when I even talked about that, but uh, I had to spend the summer when I was in my early 20s in Montana when I was still working in baseball. It's called the Missoula Club, I believe. Um, had the it, it, John, it was like the oldest flat top grill in, in America where you could just tell that there's just been grease and grease and grease uh, oh, you know, built up on it. And I, I think that added to the flavor of the burger. I had a friend who uh, was a TV anchor on mm. the TV station in Rock Springs, Wyoming. Once he was up okay. in that part of the world, and yeah. uh, and and we were there uh, when we went to Yellowstone uh, mm. here last summer. But we didn't quite make it to Montana. We were close, though. <laughs> yeah, Montana's beautiful. You can never make yeah. it out there. So it's, it's kind of a re- yeah. random state to go to. But if you find yourself there, it's amazing. All right, next review. This show is my post-Sunday fix for all things Chiefs, packed with superb analysis, color commentary. The AP Editor Show is a weekly go-to for questions on team news, roster insight, and a breakdown of past or upcoming games. The team does a great job, and you have a loyal listener. Thank you for keeping your East Coast Chiefs fans fed. And I've been a fan since I was a tiny kiddo, playing with Barry Word and Krishna Koye on Nintendo's Tecmo Bowl. Not a fair weather <laughs> fan at all. Yeah, there is a, a clarification that you have to have nowadays when you're a Chiefs fan, right? Like you cannot have joined in the past five or six years or it doesn't really feel like it's uh, it's legitimate. Um, keep it up. Here's the discussion point, point. What is your take on the Chiefs overall performance through week five? According to ESPN, the Chiefs are top 10 in team defense, team offense for yards per game uh, up to now. Yet I hear and see concerns on AP and especially in the comment box of game day threads. No need to roll out the Super Bowl parade just yet, but we have been spoiled with two super bowls in recent years and we need a reality check it could be much worse could be better too but definitely much worse thoughts yeah well uh, this seems to have been written yesterday um or, or i should say before yesterday where you had the two undefeated teams in the league the philadelphia eagles dropped one to the new york jets um so now that close game doesn't look uh, all that uh in dire john I, I guess i would say and then you had the San Francisco 49ers lose to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and the Cleveland Browns were starting P.J. Walker. Sean Watson was not even playing in that game. So, yes, uh, the answer is it could be much worse. And uh, that has been uh, my cry in recent weeks. I, I've been a little bit chirpy about that. Uh, but I, I completely agree. John, would you say you're in, you're in uh, alignment there? I, I would. And, and I would even go as far as to say that it's possible to argue that this is the best Chiefs team they've had in yeah. many, many years. Right. Um, looking at pro football reference right now, the Chiefs are ranked ninth, ninth in points scored and second in points allowed. And having two numbers that close to the top um, at any point in the season, but particularly at the end of the season, uh, denotes a pretty good team. Now, you know, you can argue about how to measure that exactly. Right. Uh, but if the offense gets back on track, this could be easily the best che- team the Chiefs have put out, at least since Andy Reid's been here and maybe all time. 
Yeah, and I, I just think you have the quarterback, right? So that's a huge part of it now. Sure. Uh, and that that's what get, gets you into the realm of all time. But if you're going to be considered the all-time greatest team, you got to have to win the Super Bowl. You can't you can't just be the the team that had the greatest regular season. I mean, we know what the Patriots were able to do that one year, and it, it, it kind of feels like it doesn't matter because they weren't able to win the last game. So that's the caveat of American sports. Uh, shout out to to Brad and Tom uh, who. I believe the English Premier League doesn't even have a, a postseason. They just kind of go by record, which is probably the right way to do it. But in America, <laughs> you got to win in the playoffs. And uh, for better or for worse, uh, we'll see if the Chiefs can do it. All right, last review here, John, uh, from, I can't even pronounce it, Hishkel. I uh, love the channel. Steve, Pete, and John, you guys are great. Don't ever change. Besides your take that the Chiefs don't need to trade for a wide receiver. This take from the, you guys in the last <laughs> couple of weeks has been loyal to the team I get. But this last game against the Broncos was terrible. And Mahomes trusts no one but Kelsey. We believe that the Tony uh, wide receiver one thing. Why? No one knows. He can only catch five-yard outs. MVS is literally stealing from the team with his contracts by production ratio. Watson's now hurt. Sky Moore looks like another wide receiver draft bust by, by, by Veach. Rice looks solid, but he is actually going to get the snaps moving forward. Ross, I guess, doesn't know the playbook, and Kelsey's 34. The madness must stop. The Chiefs, I believe, can make the playoffs with this group, but will absolutely not beat a team like Buffalo, Baltimore, or Cincinnati with this wide receiver core. I respectfully uh, disagree, and I, I thought you saw a sig- significant step taken by Rice. Now, you want to talk to me about the Chiefs trading for wide receiver. Well, are, are we in fantasy land where the salary cap doesn't exist? Because I just don't. That's part of it as well. It's just also being realistic mm-hmm. about yeah. Mike Evans isn't coming to the Chiefs, even if he was made available. I know that has been the name all year that's been thrown out there because the salary cap number is too high. And and who, who I know there there's a counter argument that would say, well, the Tampa can eat up a certain amount of it. They are not eating it up to the point where it's going to be affordable to the Chiefs to to get him. And so part of my my um, continued feeling that the answer is going to have to come within it's because these play, payers players are already paid for. And so what a development it's been for Rasheed Rice. And I'll get to get into that a little bit later, because not only is is I think are we at the the cusp of like the tip of the iceberg of what rice may be able to provide but it's the first year of his rookie contract and so you have this player now for the next four years and for a very very low salary so if he can start to produce like that wide receiver one i I think that's going to be a great advantage and i think you're seeing tony get healthier look is it is it perfect no um is it as good as previous wide receiver cores that featured maybe a juju or even a tyreek hill no uh, not yet but i still think just looking at last year and looking around the league about parity and stuff, I, I just feel like the Chiefs have enough. And maybe that's a bad take, but that's the take I'm sticking with right now. Well, I think you can add to that. I would say that none of what our listener is saying is wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you can you can make those points all day long and you're not wrong. I would just add to that that we need to remember that the other guy is on scholarship too. You know, Rasheed Rice had uh, his biggest receptions after halftime when the Broncos decided they were going to shut Kelsey down. For whatever reason, they decided not to shut Kelsey down in the first half. They ran a lot of zone, which is where he is at his best. And he he was constantly open. And, um, you know, so part of it has to do with how the Chiefs are defended. And it may be that they were covering the wideouts enough that uh, Mahomes just never really saw an opening that he liked. And I'll, I'll agree that, you know, it takes a while to build up trust with a guy like Mahomes. And, 
if he knows that Kelsey can get the job done, he's going to go to him uh, until he gets that chemistry in place. And the only way you can get that is by playing. So I think it'll get better, I think. The Chiefs against the Broncos, they had eight different targets that ended up getting receptions here. And as you were mentioning, John, what were they doing with Kelsey? It made no sense of how they chose to defend him. (laughs) It's almost like they had never played him before. And also a problem with the the supplemental production, too, is when you're getting Kelsey targeted that much, and he's going to be that open, right? Every pass that goes to Travis is not going to go to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the production is going to be down. Finally, as you were mentioning, it seemed like they did make a halftime adjustment and that's when you saw Patrick Mahomes kind of spreading the ball around and it's it's right I mean I I think it's been out there that he doesn't necessarily have a go-to guy after Kelsey well I think you're starting to see them figure that out and that's right why it's good that there's 18 weeks of the season so by the time you do get to the the postseason maybe you have a a better feel from that I I quickly switched allegiances and my prediction from Moore to Rice I I don't think I'm going to go as far as to call him a draft B word yet, but I think you do want to see more from more um, as you go here. It does really feel like Rice, at least in the mind of Mahomes and maybe even the offensive staff, has kind of passed him in terms of upside. He he may you know feel and now kind of reverses because I think Rice is going to get more and more opportunities, and now Sky Moore is going to have to prove himself again in the limited opportunities he gets as as they kind of switch. But also, it, it's important to remember here we're also looking at a injury to Justin Watson that presumably is going to keep him out for at least the next couple of weeks. We'll see if it, it's an IR thing. I haven't made any, any moves yet, but the elbow uh, is an, itch, an issue. And, and Watson uh, to some of the uh, chiefs fans dismay has been getting a lot of time. And so who knows if, if sky Moore's um, time will really take a dip. I completely agree about the MBS point, not to say that I'm always like looking into the, the money type of thing, but he's really the only investment at the position that the chiefs have made significant investment. And it is the production has not been great this year. Uh, but again, it all goes into the flow of the game. Travis Kelsey eats up a lot of the attention and and sometimes Mahomes will get into grooves with other receivers, but you would like to see more at a, at MBS. Sure. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Let's, uh, Let's get into Andy Reid. Uh, Andy Reid did his usual Monday afternoon press conference, John. Uh, this puts us back into our regular routine. We don't have the mad dash to Thursday night this week. It'll be a, a Sunday <laughs> game against the L.A. Chargers. Uh, but this is a, a moment in time in, in the, this season, the 2023 season, where the reinforcements are coming. The, the Calvary is coming, in a sense. Charles and many of you would, will be back in the mix this week off of suspension. Here was Andy on the defensive line and Charles's return. Yeah, so I listen. I think the front's done a done a real nice job, uh, you know, with pressure and hitting the quarterback. They've done a pretty good job with, with the run game, likewise. And uh, yeah, Charles in there, who is a good football player, um, to the mix. I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing him get in there. And I, you know, I I, I don't know if he's going to be able to just step right in and play the whole game. One of those things. I I think we just Right, ease him back in and uh, let him get going there. See how he yeah, does. And it, ooh, sorry, Andy. Sorry, Andy. Andy was asked for a uh, <laughs> greater clarification on how they're going to ramp a many you up. Here was uh, that answer. I think there's a good chance of that. Um, he, you know, he's been back here and he's staying in shape and or is in good shape. Uh, it's just a matter of getting him, you know, getting him back in there. He, he went through all the camp and worked his tail off. And, and he's he's kept, like I said, he's kept himself in good shape when he's gone here. But it's, uh, you know, just a matter of getting back in and getting in the swing of things again. 
Yeah, it, it sounds like a, a many who's going to be fine to play uh, for for those who want more details on this. The way it works in the NFL is halfway through your suspension, you come back in the building. So he, he wasn't around during weeks one to three, um, was around in meeting rooms and stuff in weeks four to six, and now can actually take the practice field. So there's that football shape thing. I look to the Chris Jones snaps, John. Look like Chris Jones got 34 snaps in that first game. 30 to 40 feels reasonable for many of you, in my opinion. What do you think? Well, I think it'll depend on how many snaps the defense is on the field. You know, if they uh, if they put in a lot of three and outs, there may not be very many snaps at all. But I agree that uh, early on, Jones didn't get a whole lot of snaps. And it was actually only in this most recent game that he was up to the kind of use that we had seen in previous seasons. So I think they're going to ramp him up, just like you said, um, you know, something like 30, 40% of the snaps maybe. Um, and then we'll see where it goes from there, but we don't really know exactly what they consider their ideal use for him to be, you know, with some of these other players who have been with the team for a year or two, we kind of have an, a, a sense of what to expect their use to be. We don't really know that with Omenahu yet. That's a good point. He's he's being ramped up in his team debut, so it is hard to right. like really. So right. maybe he would have, in a, in, a, in a regular rotation, gotten 30 total. So maybe 15 is half. That's a good point. Right. I, I don't know. Right. We'll see yeah. um, what happens. He's a very intriguing player. And yes, I, I, I've seen the... I've seen the clamoring for McCole Hardman and Frank Clark, and we're going to talk about Frank Clark in a second here, but this is the offseason or this is the midseason acquisition in a sense uh, that it is really going to make a difference. And it's a, to a defense that's already um, playing pretty well. I know that they like him and he's upside on um, on the inside, uh, but he's got that versatility, really respects uh, it, it. People really respect him as a pass rusher as well. So I just think it's a great addition um, in the middle of the season here. Um, speaking of, of around the league, I know we had kind of talked about the, the two big upsets uh, from yesterday, but Andy was asked uh, about seeing the Jets with Zach Wilson and, and knocking off the reigning NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. Does that make everyone feel a little bit better about that, that close call in week four? Here's Andy Reid. Yeah, well, a lot of the defense are doing a great job. Um, creative minds. Uh, you know, we're lucky we have Spags here and <clears throat> and the job that he does with it. So, you know, he's been a head coach, probably deserves to be a head coach again. And uh, to have a guy in that position that, that um, you know, that's that qualified uh, and understands a game like that. I, I, and you're seeing that uh, different places throughout the league. So I think, um, you know, right now defenses are doing well. Yeah, Reed is complimenting the, the parity during this press conference as well mentioned uh, that Spags has been really good for them. I, I, I think you're seeing a, a little bit less out of offenses that John, we would, we would consider to be explosive just in general uh, this year, besides the Miami dolphins, um, you know, in that one game, that, that is a grand outlier. That's 70 point ridiculous game. Right. Um, but just generally, I think speaking defenses seem to be on the upswing in this particular NFL season. And we're definitely seeing it here in Kansas city. I, I just know when I looked at the scores last night uh, on my phone, I was really kind of out of touch because there wasn't much internet in the place we were we were at yeah. over the weekend. Uh, right. When I was looking at the scores on my phone uh, when we got back in town uh, yesterday, I was really surprised at how low the scores were right. uh, over week six. And I'm thinking, well, man, I need to be uh, choosing the under a little more often than I have been when we're picking right. games. Um, so I, so I totally agree with you. It seems like, uh, defenses have been a little more ascending this year than we have seen in recent years. 
And so it's a great time for the Chiefs defense to be doing well because this is the time they need to be doing well. Yeah, I I I think it, it makes for more entertaining games when the defense is, is is good or the defenses are better around the league. Uh just a little bit more of the back and forth that I think you want to see. And and this all goes into what Andy Reid always does preach about the parody. It's like Mm-hmm. We're we're seeing a a lot of new teams win. Those there are teams that are up and coming, and there are teams that have been successful in, in recent years that are that are playing poorly at, at this stage. And that's all built into the NFL, and that's why it's so hard to win consistently. Uh, we had mentioned that Justin Watson may be out with an el- elbow issue here moving forward for the next couple of weeks. Here was Andy on the youth of the receiver room. Yeah, well, I like uh, the way the young rece- receivers have come along. Um, you know, the, the offensive line, every rep they get, they're getting better. And um, so, yeah, no, I think, you know, we're putting up a lot of yards. We, uh, we've just, we've got to eliminate some of the penalties during crucial situations. We've got to uh, take care of the red zone, do a little better job there. Um, and, and uh, you know, but I sure I like, I like the progress we're making. We just got to tighten up a couple things there. I think Andy really sees the offensive problems, John, as just what he was mentioning, the penalties uh, per game really on both sides of the ball. And then the um, red zone rate really bad last game, one of one of five. Um, but the Chiefs have been taking six point seven penalties a, a game. That's 21st uh, in the NFL. And their touchdown rate in the red zone is fifty four point twenty one percent. That's number 17 uh, in mm-hmm. the NFL. The good thing about those two problems is that they don't involve you not having the personnel you want. Like he's not kind of saying we need help. It's we got to be a little bit more disciplined and we got to play better when, when, when it counts near the goal line. You know, I think it's interesting that he mentioned that they're putting up a lot of yards. And I mentioned yep. before that they were ranked ninth in points allowed, but fifth, in, not allowed, excuse me, ninth in points scored, but go. they're fifth in yards gained uh, by the offense. And that's actually sort of the inverse of what we typically see. Typically, we see the team score a lot of points, but right. not uh, do really well in yards. And so uh, I, I think that's an interesting facet of what we're seeing from the Chiefs offense this year, because they certainly could have turned this into a crazy wild blowout of a game, but they just didn't complete their drives, The either because the Broncos defense stiffened when they got in the red zone or the chiefs just messed it up in some way or another. I don't, you know, it's hard to know which watching on TV, but um, I guess this, this is why, like, I don't have the panic level that some do right. about the wide receiver position. It's because what would, based upon say, John, like you had no access to stats and all you had access yeah. to was Twitter uh, or X <laughs> and comments. Like yeah. where would you think Mahomes would be as far as passing yards this year? Oh, well, he'd be, you know, in the, like Just reading in the bottom 10. Yeah. Bottom 10. Yeah. He's number six. Now, yeah. it's not number one like in previous seasons. Sure. Uh, yeah. But it's it's still the top 10. I just, I think it goes into just a little bit of, we have seen some of the more historic offenses, period, these past couple of years. And this is different where, like, the run game is important. The defenses, their importance has been elevated. Both are in a sense at, at times this year risen to the occasion, especially with the, with the defense. And like Mahomes is still throwing uh, a, a lot of passes for yardage. It, it's just, just looks, looks a little bit more like a, a balanced team, which is I think also playing into this receiver thing. Um, 
if you want to hear Andy Reid, you can. I know you have one more thing to say, John. If you want to hear Andy Reid, you can on uh, from the podium right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Andy Reid in full without uh, all of our commentary here. What do you want to say, John? Oh, I was just going to say that uh, that we have become completely uh, expecting for yeah. Mahomes to have these incredible years. And um, I was just, we're, we've got an article be on Arrowhead Pride in just a little while this afternoon that will make that very point. Um, and this is, this is just, uh, this is just what we've gotten used to. Um, most quarterbacks would, the numbers that Mahomes is putting up would, they'd kill to get those kinds of numbers. And yet we look at it and go, oh my gosh, the offense is terrible. It's just not working. Well, yeah, it was working. They just didn't score when they got down to the end of the field. Um, and I mean, this game easily could have been 35 to eight. I mean, it just, you know. (laughs) it it could have been crazy which is what everybody would have expected and if that had happened everybody'd be happy about it yeah um i uh i guess we can talk more in the marinated takeaway section uh coming up next i i do before we we take a break here i do want to mention that frank clark is available and and he was released by the denver broncos andy reed was actually asked that during the press conference but it was one of those nothing burger answers of well, what was it? It was, we love Frank right now. We've been talking through some things there. There are a few things you have to look at when you do that, but that's kind of where we're at. We're, we haven't done anything at this point. I don't know if they're going to bring him in. I feel like a lot of the, and, and again, we're recording at one thirty on Monday. So if they sign him later today, uh, take this for what it's worth. But I think a lot of the news, you know, the, the pieces of news that have been coming out, it, it just feels like it's from the player side wanting to go back to the team more so than like, they're meeting or he's in Kansas city, right? Like I hear more about Taylor Swift's private jet being in Kansas city than I have like Frank Clark being anywhere around here. (laughs) So I don't know if it's just Frank, like Frank driven and his representation. I'm sure that, you know, at this stage, he probably would want to come back to Kansas city. I just look at this situation, John, and the chiefs never made him a new offer, right? They could have released him and said, well, we'll take you for the bare minimum. They didn't even do that, you know, according to that Josina Anderson interview. Right. Mm-hmm. It did seem like both sides were, were at peace of it. And so if the Chiefs didn't make an offer then, any kind of offer, what has changed since between that period and now? It's not like we got to the season and the defensive line has been missing something. As a matter of fact, they have surprised us with how good they, they have right. been. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The young players like Karloftis and Mike Dana, uh, and what a game for Karloftis, by the way, on on the, like half a hamstring, it's getting the two breakups and everything like that. Um, but, you know, my point is, if anything, this time period that has passed has proven that you really don't need Frank. Now, I, I'm not saying Frank isn't a legendary chief. I'm not saying there isn't a case to be made that he, goes into the ring of honor and he will always be remembered for the tenure that he had in the playoffs and how people would feed off him and hell maybe if it was january and circumstances were different i would say bring frank aboard but i just don't think that this particular team and you got to separate like the feelings from the production and each team is different and all that i just don't think this particular team needs clark when his availability is always a question he you know he's who knows, um, regular season-wise, if the Chiefs are always in love with some of the attitude that he brings to the locker room. I think it's great during the playoffs, but it, you know, they ha- and so I just think there's a new identity, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know if if the Chiefs should make a move. I would lean no. Um, when if you're asking me, will they? I think anything is possible, but I'm also leaning no to will they. I would say should they probably not, and will they probably not. That's just my opinion. 
I think you're right on it there. And as I said to you, when we talked about this going into the weekend, um, you know, it's not like they don't already have a guy coming in mid season on the defensive line. Like they typically do the last uh, two years, they've signed a free agent, like a a mid tier free agent to come in on the defensive line. And essentially that's what they're doing with Omenahue. He's coming in, uh, albeit from a suspension, but it's a suspension that they knew was going to happen when they signed him. They, it's not like they didn't know this was going to happen. And it may be the chiefs just said, okay, we'll do this and we won't have to find a guy, you well, know, in week six yeah, or seven and, to, to fill in. <laughs> and there's a roster exemption for him. And, and so before he right. even plays, they're going to have to figure out a way that, to get him back on the 53. Right. And then like, let's say, and I guess we'll find out more, but let's say Justin Watson isn't going on IR, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Where do you, who's, who are you now demoting? Cause you'll have to demote two to get Frank Clark right. in the mix. Like, I guess you could right. easily just say, well, Pete, it would be Matt Dickerson and Lee Caring, I, I guess, or Neil Farrell, who they traded for, but they traded for Neil Farrell. And like, I don't know why they would just trade for somebody that they weren't going to keep on the roster. I don't know. Uh, I would lean no, but I've I've been surprised before uh, sure, yeah. things that happened in the NFL. So I'm not ruling it out completely. I I don't think they need him. And to be honest with you, John, I've I've been sort of surprised with, and I I know Frank Frank is loved for his playoff performances, but I've been sort of surprised how many people that I've seen that are pushing for this. I just I'm confused by it because I I just think the defense look it looks as as good as it has uh, maybe ever since Spagnuolo took over. Right. And there is an aspect to like not messing with that even with these playoff legends that the Chiefs could potentially bring bring back I, the, the way I would look at it is if you're going to bring in another player um you know wide receiver greater than defensive line mm-hmm. <laughs> and on the defensive line Omanahu greater than Clark and any one of those three moves requires putting right. another p- player on the street and they they don't have a lot of room they don't have a lot of players on the roster that they're really going to want to give up. They have guys who are inactive every week and people always want to say, Oh, well, we should get rid of this guy because he's right. inactive every week. But usually those are guys that they think they're going to be able to develop in a year or two. And if they put those guys on the street, they're going to be picked up elsewhere and the chiefs won't get that opportunity. So I, I yeah. just don't know that that's, I think you're making a really good point there. I think we should also mention this occurred to me while you were speaking a minute ago. I want to make sure I get this out there. We should make sure and have Taylor Swift move players around when we're considering signing them because, you know, sure. people say, well, we saw Frank Clark at the airport. Nobody right. did, I don't think, but no. you get those kinds of things on social media. No one's going to think anything of Taylor Swift's plane arriving in Kansas City. So right. you, why don't we just have her move guys? Sure. Yeah, move, in, move them into town and then nobody will know. I, it's you know I think that's a, a great idea. It's become, become an inside joke, too, or. Like, it's always like I, I saw Frank Clark at the peanut in Leewood. And it's like, <laughs> no? DeAndre Hopkins was at uh, Oklahoma Joe's. Bill Cowher uh, was uh, looking at a house in Mission yeah, Hills. Right. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Kadarius Tony's house is on the market. I saw the other day. All right. Um. OK, so that's it for the Frank Clark debate. Who knows? Maybe I'll be dead wrong about this, but I don't think he's coming back. Uh, when we come back, we'll have the ultra marinated takeaways from this Chiefs Thursday night football game against the Broncos. Stay with us. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise. 
the future of work. Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We're back after our mini buy. We are refreshed. We're ready for the second division game of the season. It's the Chiefs and the Chargers coming up on Sunday. But first, the Chargers have a game on Monday night. We'll see if they can take care of the Dallas Cowboys. What a! I'm surprised that the the uh, folks around the the NFL, the fans of the other 30, 31 fan bases, John, have not pointed to the fact that the Chiefs have just so much more rest than the Chargers heading into the Sunday game. They don't, yeah. they play Monday night. The Chiefs will have like four extra days of rest. That's a huge advantage. I mean, it really is. I'm not um, complaining about it. I'm, no, why? <laughs> but I, I'm just I'm surprised that the conspiracy theorists haven't haven't rallied. Uh, it seems like that is a a new favorite thing to do. All right, uh, let's get into the ultra marinated takeaways from this 19 to eight win. John, I will start with you. What uh, did you take away from the game? Well, I think it's interesting that uh, the this win on Thursday looks a lot different several days later, not just because time has passed, but because other games have passed. Um, on Sunday, uh, the undefeated teams were all defeated. Uh, no other team in the league has a better record than the Chiefs do right now at five and one. I believe if the season ended to get today, uh, the Chiefs would be number one in the AFC. They would have the top seed. They don't really put that information out there this early in the year, and I didn't want to take the time to calculate John, it. But John, are you saying you want to start the playoff picture series already? Uh, no, not yet, because <laughs> because I don't want to figure it out. I want to get the information okay. from elsewhere. Right. From ESPN. Uh, ESPN usually got, does a good I job. I don't have that. that much time available to me. Okay, right. I'm just That's saying. Right. But uh, you know the all of the criticisms that people want to make about the Chiefs, they're valid. You hmm. know, it's it's true. The offense hasn't been as sharp as we've seen in the past. That's that's a valid criticism. But to suggest that that means the Chiefs won't do as well. No, I I, I don't think so. I mean, I can't tell you about the specifics of where the Chiefs would be if the season ended today, but the New York Times has already started their playoff calculator. Uh, So I can tell you that right now uh, the Chiefs have a one in three chance to get the first round by, and that's better than anybody in the AFC. So, um, you know. They're doing great. Yeah, I was as you were talking, I was just thinking about when we should start the playoff picture. You shouldn't really have a playoff picture until week nine. I think at this stage, eight game, eight or nine games have to have passed sure. before like you really start looking at the playoff picture. But uh, as you were talking, I also pulled up, John, ESPN has it going already. The NFL playoff standing. So oh, really Chiefs uh, would have the top seed. Uh, the All Dolphins right. are the only other team with the five one record. They would be uh, the second seed. Uh, this is because the Chiefs have a perfect conference record. Uh, then the Ravens, the Jags, the Bills, the Steelers, 
Mike Tomlin is just incredible. And then finally the Browns. So wild card weekend would see the Dolphins play the Browns. Um, intriguing matchup there. Uh, yeah. It would be the Ravens and the Steelers. So division game um, in the sense that would just be, uh, uh, you know, you never know what can happen in, in that matchup. And then it would be the Jags and the Bills, which I think is a, a spicy matchup as well. You get Trevor Lawrence and, and Josh Allen. Of course, we have a million games left, so these weren't wouldn't be the matchups. But I just like to fantasy book them as we go here. All well, right, I'm my glad per- you said we weren't going to do it until week nine. Now that you've said the information's available, so <laughs> yeah, it's just too early. I think yeah. once you get to yeah. the second half of the and you get start to see the records and the records wouldn't be changing, or at least the places wouldn't be changing so crazy like crazy. Then I think it's okay to go. All right, uh, my first Mariner to take away. I think it's important to remember that from this game that the Broncos offense was actually pretty good coming into the game. Uh, I got this from PFF uh, and this is uh, pro football focus. This was the first time the Broncos passing offense has been completely shut down all season outside of Russ Wilson's occasional scrambling. The chiefs defense was ready to stop everything that they threw at them. And if you watch this game, it was true. I mean, they could not pass the football and the, the Broncos for as bad of a team as they are, they have a lot of these weapons. And Jerry Judy almost lost his mind after, before the game with Steve Smith uh, Sr. on the sideline. So um, not to say that they have a, a full good head on their shoulders, but they are still pretty talented. And, and Russ Wilson threw for 95 yards. And I thought, John, by the end of the game, he like gave up on passing the football pretty much all together. He's just like, I'm going to try to do what Pat's doing and just run around. And granted, <laughs> hey, it got... Uh, it got them within a score and it got weird, weirdly close late. And then all of a sudden, you know, once the chiefs were able to get that towering 10 point lead, what it what felt like there was no way that the, the Broncos were going to be able to come back once they had the two scores again, because you just like knew they had no pass game uh, in, in this game. And that's a, a credit to the Chiefs secondary. Talk a lot I about the chiefs front. Little... Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. Uh, no, I was like, I, we, We've talked a lot about the Chiefs front. We've talked a lot yeah. about their linebackers, yeah. but very quietly here, their secondary yeah. is teetering along elite. And I think it's just something to know. Well, I always look at the passer ratings. I know that it's a flawed statistic, but it's one that that takes a lot of things into consideration. Maybe not in the way that I would prefer, mm-hmm. but it 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 it's not just one thing. You know, that's one of the things I like about it. And Patrick Mahomes was not great in passer rating. It was under 100, 94.4 in Thursday's game. Russell Wilson, 46.6. Okay, you keep a quarterback down that low in passer rating, you're going to win a lot of football games, especially when you sack the guy four times, which the Chiefs did on Thursday. Um, yeah, the defense is playing extremely well. Uh, and, and against, an, as you note, against an offense that actually had been playing pretty well before they came to Kansas City. Was that your second iron takeaway, or do you have another one? Uh, no, no, no. I would just look that up while we were talking. Okay. <laughs> well, what is number two? What else did, what else did you think? Um, I know a lot of people are, are unhappy about Andy Reid's play calling in this game, and they're unhappy about the, the fake field goal attempt. Um, let me just say this. I think people have might have the wrong idea about Andy Reid getting too cute. That's the expression people use is that Andy Reid gets too cute. I think Andy Reid kind of leans towards doing those kinds of plays. We've heard about plays like the uh, the Temptations play, if we want to call it that, from the Super Bowl that that came from, that was inspired by a play they had seen in a game from, you know, decades ago on film. 
but they also have players who have a time in practice that they can come to Andy Reid and say, we had this idea to do play X. What do you think of this coach? And sometimes he says yes. And sometimes he says no. Now, when the team runs these plays, they need to be in places where if things go completely south on the field, uh, they can afford for that. Well, what better time to run it than when you're playing the Denver Broncos that you've defeated 15 (laughs) games in a row? Um, You know, yeah, sure. It's possible the team could have done a lot more in this game if they had you know, just run the ball up the middle on third and two or whatever, or fourth and two, or these, you know, all these, all these plays that you can point at where the Chiefs ran some bizarre play. I think Andy Reid really values having his players be able to take some ownership in the offense by, you know, being able to come to him with ideas for plays. And to him, that I think is worth quite a bit. And, Enough so that he can afford to throw some weird plays out there when they're playing a a game that they think they're going to win. I know that that makes people crazy. Well, you know, what if the the Broncos come back at the end? Well, the way the Chiefs defense has been playing, how likely was that going to be to happen? You know, so to me, it just seemed like he was taking advantage of the opportunity to run some of these plays. If they work, great. They've got another play they can run. If they mm-hmm. don't, they haven't really lost anything. I think the only thing that disappointed me was that I've been wanting to see them do the tush push because it's such it, it works at such a high rate for the Eagles now. We've kind of heard Chiefs coaches talk about how it's not exactly repeatable and how they also do it really well. But I still have wanted to see the Chiefs at least you know, get a crack at it. And we do on fourth and two with the field goal unit like <laughs> can we try it with the regular offense like if you're gonna try it and if you notice the eagles will only do it on third at third and third and two not fourth and two because it really only picks up the one yard so you have to so they would run it back to back and then they get it so i don't know i hope that they will try it again now because it, it just seems like it's unstoppable uh, with the actual offense, not to say that it has to be Mahomes in the quote unquote quarterback position. Like it can be Blake Bell or Noah Gray. I don't care, but just try try it the way that the Eagles are doing it. Um, my next merit to take away is that I've been suggesting Rasheed Rice could be the guy later this year. I'm moving up my schedule. I think he's the guy. I think he's the guy right now. I think he deserves all the snaps. I think he li- deserves to be leading the wide receiver room in snaps. That I'll agree with. I'm not so like into the idea of bringing in player X in the middle of the year and having to learn the playbook when we already always constantly hear about how difficult it is to learn uh, the Andy Reid playbook. But it's gotten to the point where money or not, experience or not, you know, last year's second rounder versus this year's second rounder, uh, all the money that NBA, Justin Watson, even even when he's reliable down the field, I know he's going to be out. It doesn't matter. Rasheed Rice is very clearly the best wide receiver on the team um, when it comes to a, it seems knowing the playbook, B, having the trust of Patrick Mahomes, uh, and C, just the production that you're seeing. No drop this last game, so you can't even say that he he mm-hmm. is a guy that has to yeah. get his one drop out of the way. I think he played fantastic. I know that there are people in their cars or working out that are saying, but Pete, what about Justin Ross? Something is preventing the Chiefs from giving Justin Ross more time. I tend to think it is a playbook thing. I think they're bringing him along. They've, I, I asked point blank Matt Nagy about this a couple weeks ago, and he essentially said, we're still kind of learning what routes and, and stuff that he does well. And so 
they're not comfortable putting him in a position, I think, to to get more snaps. I think he's going to be more gradually bought, brought uh, around. But I, like I said, I understand the draft capital. I understand even calling Kadarius Tony wide receiver one in the offseason. Throw it all out. Rasheed Rice can be that guy for you, and I think he can answer a lot of the questions for all these people who want to trade. Rasheed Rice is free. He's already on the team. Keep developing him <laughs> and keep playing him because I think he is John the guy, and I think he's the guy right now. I think that's exactly right. I I, I completely agree with this idea that uh, he's earned that opportunity. If for no other reason, they need to do something to make the offense more productive because they're going to be playing the the Miami Dolphins here in a few weeks. They're not going to be playing the Denver Broncos or the Los Angeles Chargers or the New York Jets. They're going to have to have every every player on the field doing everything that they can possibly do. And I think that Rasheed Rice is a guy that can do that uh, better than other players can. Also, Rice is essentially a slot receiver for the Chiefs. That's where he will do his best work. And if he's getting a lot of production, it's because the Chiefs are doing what they should be doing, which is dinking and dunking down the field rather than going for long balls because uh, Mahomes has just not been throwing those long balls all that well this season. So uh, there's two different reasons why I think uh, Rasheed Rice should be the guy at this point. Yeah, and again, you're not even really taking some of those outside receiver snaps in that sense uh, either. Like if you're still trying to find out who could, you know, could that guy be Justin Ross? You know, you're not cutting into these hypothetical Ross snaps. (laughs) I'm not rooting against Ross. I want to be clear. I, he, I mean, he's kind of become the bane of my existence because uh, I didn't, you know, I said he wasn't (laughs) going to make the 53 man roster and I have my doubts. Right. Um, But look, uh, he's on the team for a reason. I just, yeah, I think they're bringing him along a little bit more gradually and there's reasons for that. We don't know exactly what goes on in practice and the meeting rooms. And I think, that he can carve himself out a nice little role, especially being a, a red zone guy, like kind of that Jody Fortune role by season's end. But, um, you know, we got to see it. Uh, they, for like I said, for one reason or another, he hasn't gotten the snaps. All right, John, let's go to your final marinade takeaway. Well, you've uh, led right to it. This nice. is now Justin Ross's chance. Yeah. That's what I've written down on the back of the, uh, excuse me. Ju- did I say Watson? Justin Ross's chance. Goodness gracious. Yeah. No, you, I think you did. I, I said, I said with Watson going on IR, you mean he, these are yeah. going to be more snaps to go around. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's the, with one Justin on IR or at least inactive for a few games, this is going to be the opportunity for the other Justin. Let's put it that way uh, to show what he can do on this team. I mean, we don't know why he has been the seventh wide receiver. Uh, from the beginning of the season. We don't know why he isn't getting more snaps. Uh, Matt Nagy gave us some ideas about that, but there may be something else going on that we don't know about. Just like there was some reason that Tom Brady wasn't the starter in 2000 or 2001, whenever it was, when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and he had an opportunity to come in and play and he won the job. This is what Justin Ross needs to do. Now, If the issue is that he doesn't know the playbook very well, then he's going to have to show out as best he can, not knowing the playbook very well, or the staff is going to have to find a way to use him in the parts of the offense that he understands because they're going to have to, they're going to be short on wide receivers here for a period of time, maybe not very long. And this is the place where NFL players either make it or don't make it when they're uh, when they're an undrafted free agent, signing and 
whatever you want to say about Ross at Clemson or any of that stuff, okay, fine. But he's still an undrafted free agent, and there's a reason why he's an undrafted free agent. There's a reason why he hasn't been playing more. Now is his chance to show us that we were wrong to pigeonhole him that way. And that doesn't mean that if he doesn't do it, he can't someday do it again. But this is the first real opportunity he has to show us what he can do. I think that's a that's a good point because they don't even really look at Montreal Washington like a receiver. So I mean, right. if you're, you take yeah. Watson out of the equation, you have Richie James already out of the equation. He's at the very least wide receiver five, which tends to make right. me believe that he he's going to. What has he been at the like ten ish snap count range? You you could mm-hmm. reasonably see him getting somewhere more so in the fifteen to twenty five range, just depending on on how often the Chiefs have the football against the Chargers, right? So that's going to be a big thing. But yeah, I, and I I think it, what's important there too is. And this is like the reality. A couple games ago, he got a couple targets, ended up making two good catches, also had two mm-hmm. drops in the game. So when you do get the small chances, you're gonna you have to deliver. And I, I think you're right, John. I think he's uh I think he's in a position to to get more opportunities here. All right. Um uh, my my final Mariner takeaway, you already talked about short yardage, so I'm not gonna go there. Uh, I think sometimes being <laughs> one for five in the red zone, like we're always just like, oh. God, they're so bad in the red. I think sometimes you just get a little unlucky. Like the Chiefs' offense was fine between the twenties. Uh, didn't you know? Kind of stalled a couple times. Two of these go the Chiefs' way. You know, let's say they're three of five. Then suddenly it's a much more dominant win of the Broncos. You're not even really thinking about it. And so I just think that red zone to me is fixable more so like than maybe some of the other stuff that we we've talked about. Uh, and I think if if the Chiefs just like I said, say they got half of the opportunities they missed uh the the final score would have ended up being 30 something uh to uh what ended up being eight as opposed to the close call that it was 19-8 but it still was a dominant wire to wire victory and so i bring up one of five in the red zone i know that they won by 11 but if it could have been 40 and that's how i'm kind of looking at this game more a lack of luck and i guess you could make a case of play calling in the red zone than this being a game where the Broncos were suddenly on the same level as the Chiefs. Like it was never really a question. It got Agreed. a little uncomfortable yeah. and a little dicey toward the end. Yeah. But the Chiefs dominated. I, I joked it was the most dominant, you know, nineteen eight performance in NFL history. And <laughs> it's odd to say, but it, it really was. And so I just think that's important to remember as they go through here. And I and you get the mini buy after, like we already said, you have the four day rest edge on the chargers i think you're going to see a much better cleaner looking offense when we get back here um on sunday i'll just Uh, add one thing to that idea though that if uh if what you need to fix is the red zone uh offense justin hmm. ross might be the guy to do it right Uh, i agree with you know this this is a guy that could uh take on the kinds of things that jody fortson used to do well for this team and uh this would be a place where he wouldn't have to know a whole bunch of routes. Go run that whole... fade, Justin. Right, exactly. This Wrote would be a place where he could where he could show that he's capable of delivering on the field in a limited role. Mm-hmm. And um, so this might just work out perfectly for him. Let's see. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, John is going to have some snap count notes for you that we haven't touched upon. And then we will get into the current odds for the Chiefs and Chargers on Sunday. Stay with us. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we're wrapping up with a final snap count look uh, from this Thursday night football game that we saw a couple days ago here. Uh, John, anything jump out that we haven't touched upon yet? Well, the thing that I found most interesting about this game um, were that the Chiefs are really leaning into this wide receiver by committee. You haven't really been able to see that up to this point. But there were six players, six wideouts who played in this game, and that doesn't even, uh, I guess that does count uh, Washington, but they're just not giving him any work in the offense. But five of them, Valdez Scantling, Moore, Rashi Rice, Kadarius Tony, and Justin Watson had between 57 and 41% of the snaps. Now, normally you've got two guys that are up at, you know, 60, 70, 80%, mm-hmm. but you don't ever see the starting guys below 60%. And that was the case here that mm-hmm. Valdez Scantling and Moore were down below 60%. And then you had guys at the bottom that were in the low 40s. That is the definition of spreading the ball around a lot. But there's one guy who was not on that list, and that was Justin Ross, who had 13% of the snaps. Right. So this is the closest we have seen to really seeing what a wide receiver by committee could look like. Um, well, it's it's also not the running back position. Remember when, when Isaiah right, Check right. took over for Clyde? It was just very clear. All right. Right. Now he's the yeah. starter this is going to be a more gradual thing. I think when, as you're trying to figure it out. And like I said, uh, I think the writing has been very clear on the wall and especially with the Watson injury. I I hope we get to next Monday, Monday's marinated takeaways and rice is leading that room uh, as far as snaps go. I just think he deserves it. And like, let's see what the production is. Cause I I think he has a hundred yard game in him. I think if he gets the opportunity has a hundred yard game in him. So we'll see. Uh, any other snap count takeaways, John, before we move on? That was that was the biggest one. That was the most significant one to me. Uh, you know, again, we saw Brian Cook uh, give up some of his snaps to Mike Edwards. That looks like a thing we're going to see week in mm-hmm. and week out for the Chiefs. Um, Edwards has earned some snaps on the field. Uh, yeah. I think that we are going to see uh, Drew Tranquil on the field um, like we did in, say, the Jacksonville game all season uh, where, but now he's not only going to be playing a role outside of Nick Bolton. I think now that he's going to be taking some snaps away from Nick Bolton in certain situations. Cause that's what we saw against the Broncos. He just played too well uh, while Bolton was out to not give him some opportunities as the Mike linebacker well, if, here and if there. They're, if they are interchangeable, then rotate them. And it, right. because they're going to be fresh and both players will right. be better. I, I don't think there's any anything that's wrong with, with that. Now, Bolton already missed three games, but even in this scenario, um, would he be among the top leaders and tackles in the NFL? No, but I, I really don't think that they care about that, right? So they're a better team if they're they're probably rotating. Well, he, he still had almost 90% of the sla- the snaps um, and, you know, presumably all at Mike. And in the Jacksonville game, uh, which is when he got hurt, uh, Tranquil played about 20% of the snaps. Actually, I think it was close to 40, but about 20% of them were the mm-hmm. ones that he got from Bolton because Bolton was on the sidelines. 
So I, I think that we are going to see Tranquil play at Mike every week. It's just going to be a question of how much. So, so it's going to be a question. It's going to be something we're going to be monitoring. You know, how much is he uh, getting at the Mike position? We'll probably have to depend on PFF to tell us where he's lining up and uh, what kind of snaps he's getting. Uh, so those are the two big things I saw from the snap counts this in this game. All right, and then let's move on now to the current odds. Uh, I know you put up the opening odds between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Look, uh, like I said, we're recording on Monday here. Th- these are subject to change. The Chargers have a game tonight, so depending on injuries and mm-hmm. sometimes even yeah. if, like, the, let's say the, the Cowboys drop another 40 points like they did on the New York Giants earlier this year on a primetime game, sometimes that'll move the line, those type of things as well. But what is it as we speak now john well we're we're starting at five and a half points and i've seen some pushback on that that that's you know way too much that these games against the chargers are uh, typically closer than that but you know again these aren't designed to predict the outcome of the game they're designed to equalize the betting for both teams so they're going to give uh give the chargers a little rope here uh so they can get some chargers fans to come out of the woodwork and put some money down so I'm not surprised by that at all, uh, but we'll see what happens. I was kind of tempted not to put it up this morning because we have this game tonight. Um, but uh, then again, it'll, on the other hand, we put it out now, then it'll be interesting what it is tomorrow. So, yeah, I, I like the chiefs uh, in this game. Uh, I am going to watch this game tonight. I always watch Monday night football. Uh, I'm, I, it, I think it's especially cool when the next team is playing in a prime time yeah. slot because mm-hmm. I can, re- yeah. can really zone, especially when the Chiefs aren't playing because you can really focus on the game. So, intrigued to watch this one. Uh, I like the Chiefs at five and a half right now. Um, it, depending on how the Chargers play tonight, it, you know, it could grow to seven. If you if you are someone who likes sports betting and you believe in Kansas City, you may want to go in today. Um, by the time we get to Tuesday, it might be seven. So uh, that's just a, a message to those of you that want to try to. Um, get it in we'll see we'll see what ends up happening in this game i i think it's a, a really intriguing matchup between the chargers and cowboys with, with two teams who could really use the win um especially when you're in a division with the chiefs and i know the cowboys want to rebound after kind of getting embarrassed last week so should be a good monday night football game we will have you updated on the chiefs front of this as we go here um at the arrowhead pride uh podcast network certainly arrowheadpride.com we have a Newsletter option for you guys. It comes out three times a week called Arrowhead Pride Premiere. That's something you could subscribe to on a monthly or an annual basis. We also have a seven-day free trial with that. Uh, we have From the Podium up right now with the Andy Reid Presser. We'll have From the Podiums all week, your usual podcast schedule. So keep locked in right here. For Steve Serta behind the internet glass and for John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.